much of what I will be sharing with you uh, is from a book that, that has helped me called The Divine Mentor, Wayne Cordero. And a lot of what I'll be sharing throughout this study, uh, I've gained from that book in my own personal study and found it very helpful, very refreshing, and I thought you'd benefit, it, benefit from it as well. So I want to just start with, with a time of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into the Bible study, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that tonight the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you, my strength and my redeemer. I pray that you'd help us all to focus tonight on what you want to say, what you want to do in and through our lives as we open the Word. Help us to lay aside the distractions of the day and maybe the discouragements of the day. And I pray for your Spirit to teach us and equip us and help us uh, that we might better understand how we can study the Bible for ourselves, how we can be a self-feeder, how we can learn for ourselves from your Word, how we can hear your voice. And may you teach us as only you can by your Spirit and through your Word. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. I just want to review for you just a, a few minutes. For those of you, this is, some of you, this is your first time here uh, for this study. And, uh, or you weren't here, so you, some of you were working last week and you weren't able to be here. So let me review very quickly what we talked about last week. We said, first of all, that just reading your Bible, though that's good, just reading your Bible is kind of like riding a bicycle with one pedal. Uh, you can do it, just not very effective, not very fun. Uh, life change occurs when you've got both pedals. Reading is one pedal. Living what you're reading is the second pedal. And so life change occurs when, when you're, you don't just have that one pedal of reading the Bible. That's what lots of folks do. They read the Bible and read the Bible, but, but they're not trying to live out the Bible. Nothing's really changing in their life. And so you need both pedals, which is reading the Bible and, and living out what you're, you're reading. And then I suggested to you last time that you start thinking of the, of the Bible differently. Rather than just something that you, that you need to be reading or ought to read, etc., read a chapter a day to keep the devil away, rather than looking at it from that context, uh, look at the Bible as mentors, the people in the Bible as mentors in your life. Uh, men and women you can learn from. You can learn from their mistakes as well as their successes. There are some men and women in the Bible who are great men and women of God, and you can learn from them. And then there are some men and women in the Bible who are not so great, who are not so godly, who are not so holy, and you can learn from them as well. And one of the verses we looked at last week is Romans fifteen four that says, For everything that was written in the past... Now, follow this verse very carefully, even though you're not looking at it in your text, perhaps, but just listen to it. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Everything, listen to this. Everything written in the past was written to teach us. So those things you read in the Old Testament were written to teach us. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So as you approach your Bible study, I want you to approach it with perspective that when you're reading about David, David can mentor you in your walk with God. 
when you're reading about Paul or, or you're reading about Mary or you're reading well, any of these characters in the Old or in the New Testament, read them as if these people can tell you, hey, here's what I did right or here's what I did wrong. And you can learn from their successes and learn from their failures and allow them to be your mentors in your walk with God. We also learned last week that life gives us two very effective teachers. Do you remember the names of those two very effective teachers that life provides? Wisdom and consequences. And I said that you can learn a lot from either teacher. However, there's a huge difference in how they teach. The biggest difference between wisdom and consequences is what? Do you know? How, how, how do you learn from wisdom? You learn the lesson before the what? Before the mistake. You, wisdom, you learn, if you gaining wisdom, you learn the lesson before you commit the, the mistake or the error. Consequences, how does that teach you? Consequ- if you're learning from consequences, you, you, make the mis- you learn after you make this mistake, right? And so there's a great difference between the pain and the payoff, between consequences and wisdom. So that's a review of what we did last week, and tonight now we want to start with some new material. And I hope you've got your notebooks with you. I encourage you to bring that notebook. If, if not, you can take notes on, a, on an envelope or something there in front of you, but you're going to want to take some notes tonight. But if you've got your notebook, I want you to go to the back of the notebook again. And to, just to rehearse for you what we did last time, in the last five pages, we said go to the back of your notebook and, and count about five pages from the back, and on the top of, of that page, write session one notes, and so you did that. So the next page would be session two notes. Write that in, session two notes. The next page towards the back, just session two notes, so you'll have a place to take some notes tonight. By the way, there is an earring. If anybody lost a big hoop silver earring, it's right here on the floor. I've knocked it off the table, but if you need one, it's right here. And if it's real, Dave said he's going to keep it, but uh, come get it quickly if you need it, if you've missed it. All right, now, so in the back of your book, you're writing session two notes at the top of the page. It gives you a place to take some notes tonight. Now, in the front of your book, on the very first page, go to the very first page of your notebook. On the very first page of your notebook, at the top of the page, I want you to write this, table of contents. Just as a heading, top of the page, table of contents. We'll come back to that later. Alright, so as not to confuse you, now I need you to go to the back of your book one more time. To where it says Session 2 Notes. Back of your book, Session 2 Notes. And get ready to start taking some notes. Alright, everybody with me? Give me a thumbs up if you're with me. All right, thumbs up. If you're not with me like this, all right, you're not with me, all right, all right. I don't want any, like, any of this. You need to be up or, or down. You're ready to go. Here we go. Five things you, in, you need in order to be a self-feeder. There are five things you need every day if you're going to be a self-feeder. When you get up and, and you have your daily quiet time or if you have yours in the evening time, if you're, if you're more refreshed in the evening. By the way, let, let me address that real quick. When's the best time to have your quiet time? The best time to have your quiet time is when you're at your best. Don't feel that don't 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 feel like hey if it's not in the morning it doesn't count. Now there are examples in scripture where Jesus went out early in the morning. 
And I'm not saying there's a thing wrong with having your quiet time in the morning. That's when I have my quiet time. But the best time to have your quiet time is when, you're at the, when you are at your best. So if you're a morning person, have it in the morning. If you're a night owl and, and uh, you kind of think better late in the evening, have it at night. But whenever you have your quiet time, morning or evening, lunch break, whenever it may be, there are five things that you need in order to be a self-feeder. Now, these are going to be very basic, but, but just pay attention, write them down, because I want to make some important points, those, though they are, these are very basic things. First of all, one of the things you need in order to be a self-feeder is your Bible. Wow. Aren't you glad you came for that one, right? But, but here's why that is such an important point. Listen carefully. The Bible, and I'm going to talk more about this on Sunday uh, in my message in the voice series, but the Bible is the predominant way that God speaks to you. The predominant way that God speaks to you. Now listen carefully because I don't, want to, I don't want you to feel like I'm criticizing anything, but I want you to hear my heart on this. Daily bread, open windows, my utmost for his highest, those kind of devotional books are good, but they are not a substitute for the Bible. If you pick up the daily bread that we hand out or whatever it is that we hand out, uh, open windows, I think it is, whatever it is we hand out sometimes. If you get one of those and all you're doing is opening your, the, the open windows and you're reading the short little devotional and, and you're closing up and thinking you've had your quiet time, technically, that's better than nothing. But that's not going to help you grow very much if that's all you're doing. And so, uh, there's nothing wrong with using those. That can be a good starting point, but you need to move beyond that. Okay, that's what, that's what I'm saying. You need to move beyond that. So if you're going to be a self-feeder, you need a Bible. Not an open windows, not an utmost for his highest. You need a Bible that you can read and hopefully that you can mark. All right, number two. You need a pen. And again, I know all this is very basic, but just bear with me because I'm going to make some important points. You need a pen. Somebody said the pellet of ink is better than the most retentive of memories. If you don't write it down, you're probably not going to remember it. You need a pen to write down the insights that God gives you and to mark up your Bible. Now, some of you, listen carefully. I brought my Bible with me. This is my personal study Bible. Uh, This is what I use in the mornings, and uh, it's an NIV study Bible. If you were to come up and, and look through my study Bible, you'll see all kinds of notes. You'll see all kinds of places where I've highlighted things, where I've written references and notes in the Bible, etc., Some of you don't want to do that because you feel like it's sacrilegious to write in your Bible. You're going to have to deal with that yourself. Here's what I'm going to tell you about writing in your Bible. I'm I'm trying to be so careful how I say this. The thing that makes your Bible holy is not the pages of your Bible. It's not the ink that is on your pages. The thing that makes your Bible holy is that it contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. For me personally, for me personally, it it helps me so much just to underline, to highlight, and to write in references and to write in my thoughts. I, I want to encourage you just to consider. And if you say, well, this is such a nice Bible, I don't want to mess it up. Are you serious? Mess it up? You're not messing it up. You're making it better. I don't mean that you're improving on it. I just mean that you're making it more valuable to you. 
Because you see, in, in my own Bible, some of you know what this is like because you mark your Bible too. I hate to get a new Bible. You know what I'm talking about? The reason I hate to get a new Bible is because I've used this one so much, I, my, I know where that highlighted note is. I might not be able to give you the reference, but if you give me enough time, I can flip through Ephesians and I can find the reference because I know it's highlighted. I remember it was on the left-hand side of the page. I remember I wrote a note on the left-hand side of the page. You give me a little more time, I'll get to Hebrews chapter 5, and I'll show you the note I made on verse 15 or, or verse 13. You're not going to mess up your Bible. Marking it up, not mess it up. Marking your Bible enhances your personal quiet time, and beyond that, enhances uh, your ability to go back and re- relive what God has taught you. One final thing, you've heard me say this before, but for those of you who have kids, I can't think of a better thing that you could give your children than a marked-up Bible when you're dead. When, you, when they put you in the ground, are they going to say, here's your daddy's Bible, and they open it up and every page is clean? Or would it be better to say, here's your daddy's Bible, and they open it up, And they can see the handwritten notes where their dad wrote things. They can see where dad circled things and highlighted things and starred things and underlined things. I'm going to tell you something. Then you won't be able to, nobody would be able to buy that Bible. It'll mean so much to them. All right? So just, just keep that in mind. So you need a Bible. You need a pen. Number three, you need a journal. Now, a journal is just your notebook. But I want to make sure you understand what I don't mean about journal. I'm not talking about keeping a diary. Um, a journal is simply a notebook where you write down what God says. Write down this reference, Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20. Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20. I don't have time to read that to you, but it's an interesting reference because in that reference, God says to the, to the guys who are going to be the future kings of Israel, He says, from now on, I want the king, listen to this, I want the king to copy the word of the law in his own handwriting on his own scroll and read it every day. I'd not seen that before. I'd not recognized that before. And God says, here's how important it is that you know the law. I want the king, the leader, to take the time to take a, a, the, the scroll and hand copy that scroll so he will have his own personal copy. And he can read it every day. God says it's pretty important for you to know the word. That's how important your journal is. Your journal is just that notebook that you have where you're going to write down what God said to you. Number four, you need a Bible reading plan. Now, this one is very, very important. A Bible reading plan will give you a path to follow. Uh, Let me show you the one that I'm currently using. I've used it now for about a year and a half. Uh, You can't see it probably from there. But my Bible reading plan is simply... Uh, it's, I got this off of Navigators, I believe. It's got all the books and the chapters of, of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, all the books and chapters are listed. And whenever I read that particular chapter or chapters, I mark it out. And when, I get, when I've read that whole book, then I put the date where I have, when I completed that book. And so I'm moving, and I just go from, I'll, I'll rotate. If I'm in the New Testament, and I complete that book, then I'll go to the Old Testament, and I'll read a book in the Old Testament. When I complete that book, I'll go to the New Testament, back and forth. The thing I like about this Bible reading plan is that it gives me some variety. 
You see, nobody's looking over my shoulder. If I decide, after I've read one book in the New Testament, I might decide, hey, I want to read another book in the New Testament. Nobody's going to say, you can't do that. So I'm just keeping track. Now, here's the value of having a Bible reading plan. Watch this. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, many times you're going to come to your quiet time and you're going to open the Bible. It's like, where do I start reading? I, I don't know what to read today. And just, you're just flipping through. You're just trying to find something that, you know, that just kind of meets your needs, something that speaks to you. And, and so you're just flipping through trying to find something. And, and so you read the verse that says, Judas went out and hung himself. And you thought, well, that doesn't help me any. And then you flip through. And, and then you read the next verse that says, Go ye and do likewise. I wonder if you're listening. And then you, you try and say, That's, I don't like that. Then it says, what thou doest, do us quickly. You need a better plan than that one. And so you need a Bible reading plan of some sort, some fashion. It might be one like I have where you just go through the entire Bible reading book by book, verse, or chapter by chapter. Or let me show you another one. Uh, this is from... Uh, well, I'll show it to you later. I don't want to go through all of that. Uh, Wayne Cordero, if you want to get on his website, has a Bible reading plan where you can order from him. And, and again, it, it's this whole concept of reading through the Bible in a year. And uh, you can do like... Did you know if you read three to four chapters a, a day, you'll read through the whole Bible in a year's time? And so if you... You can just get online. You can find all kinds of Bible reading plans. And then a very simple Bible reading plan is just to take a book of the Bible, whatever book you want to read, and just say, I'm going to read one chapter a day. Or I'm going to read two chapters a day. Or I would suggest no more than three chapters a day so that you can really dig into the meat of what you're reading. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a few moments. So you need a, a Bible, a pen, a journal, a Bible reading plan to help guide you every day so you're not wasting time trying to figure out where you're going to read. And number five, you need a daily planner, a daily planner or something to jot notes on. Now, this can be a calendar, it can be a scratch pad, it can be a three-by-five card. But here's what happens when you start having your quiet time. I know from personal experience, when you start having your quiet time, things begin to pop in your mind and you think, I need to, I need to answer that email, I need to call somebody, I need to send them a letter. I need to, and you start thinking of all the things that you need to do that day and if you don't have a, a scratch pad or a daily plan or something to write those things down on immediately, you're going to waste a lot of brain cells trying to remember what you need to do after you have your quiet time. And you're going to lose focus on what you're there for. And so the best way that I've found is when I'm having my quiet time, and by the way, in my prayer time, I do the same thing. In my prayer time, if I start praying to God and all of a sudden I think about that email I need to send to somebody. I'll stop, I'll open my eyes, I'll write down what I need to do so I can get my mind off of that, and then I'll go back to my prayer time. Okay? So, very simple. Uh, write it down, lay it aside, get back to your study. Those are the five things that you need. Now, here's the heart of what I want to do tonight. I want to talk to you about the SOAP, S-O-A-P, Bible study method. If you want to put that on your notes, the SOAP Bible study message. I need somebody uh, to read 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Who could read that for me? That's in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. All right, in the back. Read it, read it loud for us.
Read that again, Joe. Translation. Regardless of how much you know, your knowledge is limited. You probably don't know as much as you think you know. All right? Now, the reason that's important, listen to the message translation. We sometimes think we know all we need to know, but sometimes our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. Sometimes our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. I've told this story before, but some of you never heard it. I remember in my first church, there was this guy, and I invited him to Bible study. I, back then, I was teaching a pastor's class and, and during Sunday school, and I invited him to my pastor's class, and, and, and his name was Dub. And Dub had family who came to my pastor's class, but Dub didn't come. And I one day just kind of got a little bold as a young preacher and said, Dub, why don't you come to the pastor's class? He said, I'm not coming. I said, okay, I understand, but, but why don't you come? He said, because I already know it all. I couldn't believe he told me that. But at least he was honest, wasn't he? Because I already know it all. Well, he doesn't know it all. None of us know it all. But sometimes we... We can come to the Word of God with that approach, with that, with that uh, attitude. Listen again to what the Bible says from the message translation. We sometimes tend to think we know all we need to know, but sometimes our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. And so I'm going to ask you to be humble tonight. Let your humble heart speak to you rather than a proud mind. And I want to introduce to you a simple system for daily devotions called SOAP. Put this on your notebook, on that, on that page there where you have session two notes. Uh, write the, like an acrostic, S-O-A-P. Like an acrostic, S-O-A-P. And leave some space between the letters so that we can talk about it. Let me describe to you how SOAP works. It's a basic system of Bible study that can have profound results. Here's, here's how you do it. All right, so you've got, your, you've got your Bible reading plan, and tomorrow morning uh, you get up. You don't have to think about where you're going to be reading tomorrow morning because you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to say, what book am I going to You already know, so you've got your Bible reading plan, and you're going to read one, two, or three chapters that day. And you begin by asking God to bring home to your heart one text, one verse that, that will really speak to your life. Uh, and if you'll prayerfully ask God before you get started, God, I, I just want you to show me that one thing you want me to know today. Uh, he'll likely bring things to your attention. And it'll be like that verse jumps off the page saying, this is for you. This is the promise you need to hold on to. This is the instruction that'll get you back on track. This is for you. So you start by reading that one chapter. Uh, maybe more than that if you need to, depending on what book you're reading. And let me say this, by the way, the goal is not to see how much you can read. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. This is so important. I, I like the idea of reading through the Bible in a year. But listen to me. If that's your goal, is to read through the Bible in a year, the goal becomes to get to the end of the book rather than to try to live what you're learning in the book. Does that make sense? You know how I know that? Because I've done that too. I've done that too. Just trying to, to make sure I get my reading in that day. 
Oh, I, I'm just, I just got to get my reading in that day. I got to keep up with the schedule. I, I got to get my reading in that day because I made a commitment on January 1. I was going to read the Bible through this year. I got to get my reading in that day. I would rather you read one verse and live it than read a hundred verse that you don't pay any attention to. And so don't feel guilty if you just read one chapter. If you need to read more than one, that's okay. But don't feel guilty if all you're doing is reading one chapter. I'd suggest you just try to focus on one chapter and find something uh, in that one chapter that, that you can work with. Uh, for example, this morning I read 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. In 1 Chronicles 27, there's a lot of, of numbers and names and places, and it's not very uh, devotion-friendly. But I got to chapter 28 and chapter 29 at 1 Chronicles, and I'm reading that. And I'm going to tell you, the first time I read it, I, th- I thought, Lord, nothing jumped out at me. And then I read it some more, and I looked at it a little bit longer, and the more I looked at it, the more I read it. I, I, I did my, my lesson for today, and guess where I'm going tomorrow in my quiet time? I'm going back to that same passage because I saw another verse that I want to dig into. All right, so if you'll take the time to read one scripture looking, or one chapter looking for one scripture. And when you find that scripture, here's what I want you to do, and I don't know if you can see that, how bright the sun is, but on the top of your page where it says scripture, all you need to do is write in that verse. Just copy it from the Bible. Write in that one verse or two verses, whatever it may be. Write the text in. Now, why is it important to focus on one verse uh, in, in, your, in your journal? Why is it important to do that? Here's the reason. Because if you try to focus on more than one verse, two things are going to happen. Number one, you probably won't remember it. And number two, you're not as likely to live it. If you have all these things you're trying to keep up with, all these things, all these verses, and you're trying, to, you're trying to do everything that's in that whole chapter, you're probably not going to remember it, and you're probably not going to live it. But if you can say, okay, I got this one verse, I got this one truth, and I'm going to try to live out today, and if you do that every day, at the end of the year, when you come to December 31, you're going to have 365 biblical gems in that book that you've, that you've studied, that you've learned, that you've prayed over, that you've tried to live I just think it makes so much more sense to try to do one thing and do it well than do all these other things and you rarely get them done. All right, so it's, keep it simple. On the top of your page, you write in that one scripture. Um, o. O stands for observation. So under your page there, you've got the scripture listed. Then you write down O observation. Now, what does that mean? Observation is once you found your single verse, just simply observe carefully what that one verse says. Focus on that one verse and observe what that one verse says. Take some time to meditate on what you're reading and ask and answer this question. What do I see in this text? Now, I want to do a Bible drill again. Bible drill, youth against the adults. Get your Bibles, put them, put them in your hands like this. If you don't have a Bible, there's a one in the pew right there in front of you. And here's this this is the verse I want you to find. Ready? Bible drills ready, swords drawn, whatever they say. Here we go. Psalm 119, verse 18. When you get it, stand up with your finger on the verse. The first person, Psalm 119, verse 18. Right there it is. Yes, sir. Thank you. Read it out loud for us. Open my eyes. Listen, open my eyes, God, 
that I might see wonderful things in your law. You know what makes one Bible student better than another Bible student? They have the same book. They have the same truth. The one thing that makes one Bible student better than another Bible student is that one Bible student takes the time to notice what the other one never takes the time to notice. Some Bible students are more observant than other Bible students. Some people just read it. You need to do more than read it. You need to observe it. And so I want to help you with that. Um, you see, seeing is not the same as observing. Let, let me prove that to you. I want everybody to, to close your eyes. Every person here, close your eyes. Now, don't go to sleep. Just, just close your eyes. I'm going to ask you four questions. And I want you to just answer these questions to yourself. Don't answer them out loud. But I want to show you that there's a difference between, between seeing and observing. Question number one. Keep your eyes closed through this whole process. Answer the question to yourself. Question number one. What color shirt am I wearing? What color shirt am I wearing? Question number two. Eyes closed. Question number two. How many doors lead into the sanctuary? That is, I'm not just talking about one end of the, of the sanctuary, but in order to come into the sanctuary, how many doors are there that lead into the sanctuary? Give you time to think through that with your eyes closed. Question number three. How many stained glass windows do we have? The big ones, not the little ones, but the big stained glass windows. How many stained glass windows do we have? Question number four. Eyes closed. What color are the flowers on the altar table? What color are the flowers on the altar table? All right. Eyes open. Wake up. So, what, sh- what color shirt do I have on? How many got that right? How many missed it? Be honest. All right, some of you missed it. All right, appreciate your honesty. Question number two. How many doors lead into the sanctuary? All right. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. How many doors lead into the sanctuary? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And if you count and if you count the stairwell, eleven. So I would I would say either ten or eleven would be the correct answer. Because that one does the stairwell does lead into the sanctuary, but you kinda have to go up and around, but technically that would be eleven. How many got that right? All right. There's a difference between... You've been going to church here a long time. You don't even know how many doors go into the sanctuary? You don't come... Okay. All right, here's another one. This, this one, I bet this one got some of you. How many stained glass windows are there? Yeah, you know that now because you sat there and counted them. How many got it right, though? How many got it wrong? About half of you. There's a difference between seeing and observing. The color flowers on the altar table are? How many got that wrong? Wrong. All right. What color did you think it was, Lisa? I didn't hear. Multicolored. Okay. All right. Listen to something Jesus said one time. Jesus said, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
it's a fascinating study to, to find out what did he mean by loving with all of your mind. But I think it also, it, one of the things it means is that you should not disengage your brain when you're reading his word. Love him with your mind. Let your mind be engaged. Don't just read the word in order to get your, di- your Bible, daily Bible reading in. Engage your mind. So there's five questions that will help you uh, with observation. The five questions are these, and, and this is from Howard Hendricks. The first question is, is, who? Who are the people in this text? This is an easy question. This is the easiest of the five, probably. Who are the people in this text? And look for two things. What is said about this person, and what does this person say? What is said about this person or these people, and what does this person say? That's the first question. I'm not saying you have to write all the answers to all of this down. I'm just saying these are the questions in your mind as you are observing the text. Okay? You don't have to write the answers to all of these down. These are just questions in your mind as you're looking at the text. Question number two is what? What is happening in the text? What's the events? In what order? Uh, what happens to the characters in the story? Just all kinds of what questions. What's, what's happening in the story? What's the writer trying to communicate? These are questions that you can ask for any biblical text. You can bring it to any biblical text to try to observe, make observations. Question number three, where? Where is the story taking place? This is such an important question and lots of people overlook this question. Where are the people in the story? Where are they coming from? Where are they going to? Where was it written from? All kinds of where questions. By the way, that's one reason that many of you in your Bibles, in the back of your Bibles, you have what's called maps. You know why they put the maps in there? So you would know what you're reading. So you could see the places you're reading about. It's to show you where the biblical events took place. Uh... Most people don't have a clue where the biblical events that they're reading about take place. They don't take the time to look that city up on their map. And if you just look up that city on your map, it's going to help you so much in your Bible reading. So, you're asking uh, where. The next one is this, when. This is a question of time. When did the events in the text take place? Uh, When did it occur in relation to the Scripture uh, other scriptures. And so, when is basically, what time is it? What time is it in this text? And then the fifth question is this, why? Why did this happen in the story? Why is this included? The why question probes the text more than any other, uh, and it, asks, it, it gives you a lot of insights. When you, why did he say what he said? Why did he go where he went? Why is a really good question. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll take those five simple questions. Tell me the first one. What's the first one? Second. Third. Fourth. Fifth. If you'll take those five questions, and you can apply those questions to any biblical text, and it'll help you make observations. And again, let me say it one more time. I am not saying that you have to write the answers to all of those questions in your journal. That's not what I have in mind. But I do want you to ask those questions of the text so that you can make some observations to write in your journal. Now, we're going to practice this. Take your Bibles. It's going to be an easy one. Take your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. 
Verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. What I'd like for you to do, if you've got somebody nearby, kind of team up with them. If not, you can do it on your own. That's okay if you want to do it by yourself. But if you've got somebody you can partner with, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to read Mark 5, I'm sorry, Mark 4, verse 35 through 41. That's Mark 4, verse 35 through 41. Read it. You can even read it out loud if you want to. And then ask those five questions about that text. Talk to your neighbor about it. Come up with the answer to those five questions. And we'll give you a couple of minutes, two or three minutes to do that. Go ahead. Thirty seconds. if you got to all five of those some of you did some of you perhaps did not but at least you understand how to do this let's review it real quickly uh the first question is who who are the people in this text oh wait wait, 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 wait. before you answer that 
How many of you, just in this very brief exercise of asking these five questions, how many of you saw something in the text you had not noticed before? Raise your hand. few of you did. I did. When I did it today, I, I saw something I had not noticed before. And I'll call it to your attention in a moment. So, who? Who are the people in the text? The disciples, and who else? And Jesus. Anybody else? The crowd. Anybody else? Disciples, Jesus, the crowd. That's the one I hadn't noticed before. There was, there was another boat with him. Or boats or boats. I don't remember which it said. There were also other boats with him. So there were also not only that one boat, which brings a whole other set of questions about this whole storm. And when Jesus said, peace be still, a whole other set of questions. like, well, what was going on in those other boats? You know? Uh, so that, that's a good question. Who? So, so we're making observations about the text. Uh, and then what was the next question? What? what? What was happening in this text? The storm? Alright, crossing from the crowd to the other side. Where did it take place? Sim Galilee. Um, yeah, that's right. When did it take place? This is an interesting question. When did it take place? I heard some different answers, I think. The evening, okay. Yeah, evening. Uh, when the evening came, at night, he said, uh, so, so it was not... In the middle of the day, where it's bright and sunny, it was late late in the evening. It was at night. They're going across, uh, probably in the dark. And why? Huh? To prove his power. That's a good one. To prove his power. Quiet. Be still. He said. Why are you so afraid? So, so you're asking all of these questions about the text, and you do that with any text. And now, here's what I want you to do. Once you've asked all these questions and you've pondered the verse. That one verse that's written at the top of your page, uh, write out in manuscript form what you have observed. It might be a paragraph or it might just be a, a few sentences. So I know you can't read that from where you are, but you can see he's got basically two sh- uh, short paragraphs there that are his observations regarding that, that verse. Okay? That brings us to A, which is application. Application, after you've carefully have observed what the text says, take some time to write out how you plan to put that into practice. That's what application is all about. Application answers the question, how does this verse apply to me? How will, it, how will you be different today as a result of what you've read? Please remember that the, the goal of Bible study is not to satisfy your curiosity, it is to change your life. So that question, how will I apply this? This one verse, how am I going to apply this to my life? Now let me read you something that some, somebody here needs to hear, perhaps. I know it's talking about a pastor, but I think it's true for all of us. This is from Wayne Cordero's book, and here's what he said. Some years ago, a pastor friend of mine was carrying, and carrying on an illicit sexual affair. A pastor was having an affair. When it finally came to light, he was reprimanded, summarily dismissed, and put under discipline and counseling. As a friend, I called him one day and asked, how could you do that? Wayne, he replied, I don't need more people to condemn me. I reassured him of my friendship and my heart 
But I told him I needed to know how he could tolerate the pain sustained by the massive inconsistency of his lifestyle with his message. I'll never forget his answer. Here's what he said. Listen carefully. Wayne, he said, with a heavy sigh. I wasn't reading the Bible for life. I studied the Bible only to get sermons out of it. I'd find one and immediately give it as a message on Sunday. And as soon as I could extract enough lesson material to hand out, I was done for the day. It was never routed through my heart, so it left me starving, even though I was overseen an orchard. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you. Wayne Cordero writes about that. Knowledge alone is no guarantee for growth. But with God's help, we can dial in the two lenses of knowledge and application. Clarity appears and focus results. One of the greatest blessings is promised to those who consistently apply what they know. And Jesus said, if you know these things, you are blessed if you, what? If you do them. And so with this soap Bible study method, you take that one verse, that's your scripture at the top of the page. O uh, is observations. You made observations, you've written a paragraph or so about the observations you made about that verse. A is application. How are you going to apply that to your life? And then the P stands for prayer. And prayer is where you write out your prayer in your journal, asking God to help you apply what you've just learned. You take the time to write out a prayer, not just to pray a prayer, but to write out a prayer. Writing out your prayer, asking God to help you apply what you've learned and what you've decided to do differently. Now, that's what you need to do, but you're not done yet. Once you've written the prayer, you go to the top of the page and give it a descriptive title. Look on my example here. We've got the scripture, we've got the observation, the application, the prayer. And then you go to the top of the page and you give it a title. The title on this one is Some Assembly Required. The title is, is for your eyes and for your memory. Here's the goal. When you go through your journal, you want to be able to see the title and remember what you've studied. Remembered the lesson that you learned. For example, I look through my journal and the last four entries, are these are the titles I put on in my journal in the last four entries. One was called, God Sends People to Help Us. These were all from First Chronicles. Another one was, was titled, Inquire of God. And when I see that, that title, Inquire of God, I immediately remember what I learned, how David inquired of the Lord and what happened when he did, and how David once failed to inquire of the Lord and what happened when he failed to inquire of the Lord. And that title brings all of that back to my memory. So I'm not trying to write a fancy title so I can impress somebody. I'm not writing a book. I'm not writing this for somebody else to read later. I'm, writing, I'm putting a title there that will jog my memory and help me, under, help me remember what it is I learned. Sometimes the title will come directly from the Scripture that you studied. For example, the title of, of, of this one from a couple of days ago was, Who Am I? That came directly out of the Scripture I studied that day, where David said, Who am I that you would bless my family this way? And so that was the title of my lesson that day, Who Am I? Another, the title of my lesson today, my quiet time today was, Details Matter to God. It's fascinating to, for me to read how, how David was building the temple and, and all the details that went into that. And, and he said, these are the things the Lord put on my heart to do. And I wrote them down. Details matter to God. And so that was the title of my, my study today.
So just remember, the title is for you. All right? Now there's one final step. And then I'll stop and see if you have any questions before we leave. Once you've started out with the Scripture, you wrote that at the top of the page, then you make your observations, one or two paragraphs, maybe it's just a few sentences. Then you make your application. How are you going to apply that one verse to your life? Then you, the prayer, God help me to apply this verse to my life. Then you go back and you write the title. You're not ready to write the title until you're done with the lesson, okay? So you write your title, the last thing. Here's, here's the next thing you do, the last step. It's important to then take that information and put it on your table of contents. Here's what you need to put down. Write this in your notes. In your table of contents, you will list title of your entry. For example, the title today was Details Matter to God. So I'd put Details Matter to God on my table of contents. The Scripture reference, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 13. Uh, the date, March 26, 2014. And the journal page, whatever page it is in, in your journal. All right? So those are the things for every entry in your, in your uh, uh, table of contents so that you can turn back through the table of contents. And if I were to say to you, Grayson, what's God been saying to you in your quiet time lately? Grayson could open up his journal and go directly to a, to a lesson. Or if you think, man, I remember two weeks ago or a month ago or six months ago when I was really discouraged and God used the verse to really help me. I need that verse again. You can go to your table of contents and find it so quickly. Go back to that lesson and relive that lesson and see the prayer that you prayed to God that day and pray that prayer again. And so that table of contents is very, very, very important. Uh, for your journal. So as you're reading your Bible, when God points out a verse to you, put some soap on it. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Now, one last word, and then we'll see if you have any questions. There will be times when you're reading and you don't understand what you're reading. Can I get an amen? What do you do with those times when you don't understand what you're reading. Here's what you do. Don't worry about it. Let me take it a little further. There's an easy solution. Don't try, don't try to journal on the stuff you don't understand. Just try to journal on the things you do understand. If you try to journal on the 90% you don't understand, you're not helping anything. You're just wasting your time. Try to journal maybe on the 10% you do understand. Try to look for just one verse. And that one verse, and if you don't get it in that chapter, read a second chapter. If you don't get it in that chapter, read a third chapter. But usually by the third chapter, you're going to find a gem. You're going to find something the Holy Spirit points to, and it's going to help you. All right, so that is the SOAP Bible study method. I've got some more things I want to tell you about it next time, but that kind of introduces the whole concept to you tonight. What questions do you have? All right, since there are no questions, uh, I'm going to give you homework. Oh, man. The homework is, I want you to try to use this. Real simple. Is there a question in the back there? Yes, sir. Andy? That's a very good question. And I'm glad you said that because I meant to say something about that. Uh, 
I would suggest to you that you, you, spend, you try, maybe a target would be uh, about 40 minutes. Now, if you're just starting out, it might be 30 minutes. If, if you've been doing it a long time, you might go an hour. But, but kind of a general time frame that I would suggest would say, okay, I'm going to try about 40 minutes. But listen to me. Listen. Please listen to me. If you, spend, if you spend 10 minutes and you're really genuine with God, don't feel bad about that. All right? If you're spending 10 minutes and you're really engaged in the Scripture, don't feel bad about that. But in general, I would suggest, my, my general plan is this, one chapter, 40 minutes, and one journal entry. You know, one page of your journal entry. Good question. Yes, sir. <laughs> no. I just told you, I got it all out of that book. You can read just like I can. <laughs> There's more doors. Yes, sir. No, no, because you've got to climb over the wall. That's not a door into the sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Pharisee in every group, isn't there? There's a Pharisee. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Yes, sir. Now, that's, that's a good question, Mark. I, I, use, I use my one study Bible, but I use other Bibles as well to, to give me, like the Message or uh, New American Standard. Sometimes the, the King James, just to read it in different versions, uh, helps me have a different insight. But the primary one I use is my study Bible. Good question. Somebody else? All right. I found if I do it in the morning, my Bible study done with If I do it in the evening, it's using consequential. All right. That's a good word. That's a good word. Anybody else before we leave? Any questions? All right. I'm not going to assign you a text, but I would ask you have a plan this week. Whether it's, I'm going to read through the book of Ephesians. That might be a good one because I'm, I'm teaching on Ephesians on Sunday nights. Or you might read a, a, a different psalm every day or the Proverbs or read through the Gospel. But have a plan this week. This week I'm going to read one chapter a day out of whatever book. And I'm going to use the SOAP Bible study method and, and get your notebook out and work on that every day this week. Okay? I'd like to hear from you next week just some of your titles. What are some of your titles? Yes, sir. That's that's a very good question. I would now. I would recommend that you do both. And here's 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 what I'm going to say to you. One of the ways that we're going to learn later in this session uh, is Wayne Cordero uses this in his, this is the way he disciples people. They'll gather together, and the first 20 minutes, they're reading the Scriptures silently. Everybody's reading the Scriptures. The next 20 minutes, they're working out their soap uh, page. And then the last 20 minutes, they're discussing what they've learned. And that's how he disciples people. He says, I meet him in the coffee shop, and that's the way we do our discipleship. And so that would be something where you and your wife could do it separately, but then get together at the end, and you could discuss what, you know, here's the insights I have. And, and you could do that whether you're studying the same Scripture or not. You wouldn't even need to have, share the same Scripture. Uh, so that, that's a good question. All right, let, let me pray for you. And we're going to leave, and I appreciate you being here. I hope you'll be back next week. We're going to go a little bit deeper with this whole concept.
But you've got the basics tonight. You've got something to use this week, and I hope and pray that you will. Father, uh, Your Word does fascinate us. It fascinates me to, to think how, uh, like this morning, I'm just reading something, and just that verse just becomes so rich and so alive and so personal and so practical. And, and I just pray that You'll help each of us this week to just to read through the Word, and may Your Spirit be our teacher. May your spirit be our guide. Uh, open our eyes, as the psalmist said, that we may see wonderful things in your law. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.